Hi, Greg Perry, the historic preservationist. Let's uh, move this episode back to uh, alchemy. So we're going to finish up the the last episode, which got a little bit stretched out. So we're going to finish off with uh, spiritual alchemy and then get into the next episode. In alchemy, a transformation can be sustained only if it occurs in all levels of reality, physical, spiritual, and mental. So now that you you have a firm grip on what physical alchemy is all about, (coughs) let's explore spiritual alchemy. Spiritual alchemy is rooted in the transformation of the spirit and soul. It's important to note that for alchemists, spirit and soul are not synonymous. In alchemy, one spirit is consistently striving toward betterment, and it is associated with the all-important symbol of the Red King. One soul seeks contentment in the moment and is associated with the equality, important, white queen. Just as opposing elemental forces must be combined in physical alchemy, the same is true in spiritual alchemy. The opposing forces of the soul and spirit must be joined together in order to transform into the highest golden self. The union of the red king and the white queen is the most pivotal stage of alchemonial transformation. Their union is known as the sacred marriage. Practicing physical alchemy in the laboratory goes along with spiritual alchemy. For when alchemists work to transform lead to gold, they also work to transform their spiritual selves. In the same way that yoga is a physical practice to transform the spirit, so is alchemy. Spiritual alchemy is different from a request made in prayer. The inner silence cultivated in meditation or other forms of religious practice. In alchemy, an individual's willpower or fire drives spiritual transformation. You are the only person who can change yourself. You have the alchemical tools to do so, but it's up to you to master and implement them. Transforming one's immortal immortal essence into the highest form is grueling work aligned with the symbol of the dragon in both Eastern and Western alchemy. In physical alchemy, the alchemical dragon is associated with a mysterious, indefinable substance known as the philosophical mercury. Philosophical mercury is different from your run-of-the-mill mercury or quicksilver. Physical alchemy is the raw energy of the world. A true transformation in, of any substance, be it lead or our spiritual selves, cannot occur without the alchemical dragon, that is, without harnessing the world's energy. In spiritual alchemy, working with the alchemical dragon is all about transforming chaotic energy, a process that occurs on a personal level and on a greater cultural level. One way to transform chaotic energy on a personal level is by arriving 10 minutes early to everything rather than always running late. On a cultural level, the transformation of chaotic energy might resemble tacking greater cultural issues such as war or poverty. Effective change usually stems from the personal. For instance, to tackle the cultural chaos of poverty at the personal level, you could start working at a soup kitchen once a week. 
after becoming aware of the chaos in our lives, our only choice is accepting it and working with the chaos towards something better. It is not a matter of conquering the chaos or of the alchemical dragon, but of learning to be still within the chaos and doing what we can to harness the chaotic energy. Don't let the enormity of cultural, <clears throat> of cultural chaos stop you from doing anything as an individual. You have the power to make a difference. The alchemical dragon is often depicted as the Ouroboros, an ancient symbol of the dragon or serpent, devouring its own tail. For alchemists, the Ouroboros is a symbol representation of how energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transformed. Alchemists believe that each of us has the power to transform our spiritual selves. It's merely a matter of doing the work. Mental alchemy. In order for a transformation to be lasting, alchemists believe change had to also occur in the mind of the individual in question. This is known as mental alchemy. This third form of alchemy is about transforming your identity and ultimately realizing that the identity or ego is unknowable. Mental alchemy is deeply liked I'm sorry, linked with the Swiss psychoanalyst Carl Jung, who found alchemy to be a sort of master key to unlocking the human subconscious. Using it to transform the minds of his patients, Jung created alchemy for his understanding of how the unconscious transforms and involves over a lifetime. In fact, Young amassed one of his largest libraries of original alchemical text in Europe. The core work in mental alchemy is to break down that which becomes rigid in our identities, and any rigid form is known as assault. In understanding who we are, consider how all little kids are artists with no qualms about singing or showing off a piece of art they made. But as we get older, we're told to focus on more useful or profitable endeavors. How many people do you know would, t would balk at the idea of drawing a picture or getting on stage? Anytime you hear yourselves or others say, oh no, I couldn't possibly do that, it is indicative of assault or something limiting belief about one's identity. In order to break down these personality salts, one must tap back into the first matter, or prima matter, of the universe. So let's go far more in far more detail later on, but let's briefly define it as first matter is the chaotic, raw, dragon energy of the world and the essence of all things. It's similar to the Hindu concept of Brahman, or physics string theory. In Hinduism, Brahman is the eternal energy that is the source of all things. In quantum physics, string physics examines how the most basic particles of matter interact. But how do we harness this concept of first matter to transform the, transform the salt in our personalities? It's simple on a rudimentary level. Seek out new experiences, start journaling, go see a movie, 
skydive, go on a date, do something scary. Whenever you feel yourself about to say, no, I can do that, but do it anyway. Let's consider how going to a movie can be a mental alchemy. Have you ever seen a movie that completely gut is gutted, gutted you and left you unable to form a coherent sentence afterwards? That feeling is in your identity or salts, fracturing. It's in that raw, open state that you can access first matter and feel the interconnectedness of all things. As you have more and more of these identity fracturing experiences, you'll become comfortable with the fact that our identities are not on fixed things and that we all spring from the same source known to alchemists as first matter. Other forms of alchemy. Even though physical, spiritual, and mental alchemy can make up three fundamental types of alchemy, there are other types out there. First, let's look at artistic alchemy. Art, primarily the visual arts, has been intertwined with alchemy since alchemy's beginning. Dyes, paints, jewelry making, sculpting, and perfume, all a big debt to alchemists. Plenty of contemporary artists view themselves as modern alchemists, making art that's meant to transform over time. The contemporary artist, Faith Sponsler, creates work that often undergoes a chemical reaction to reveal something new over time. Her iron-soaked linoleum-cut prints, for instance, turn a very dark color after being soaked in green tea. The chemical transformation necessary to process film has brought alchemy into photography and movie making. The photographer Matthew Seta embraced the connections between photography and alchemy in his series Photogenic Alchemy, using everything from Ambien to Drano. Now next we're going to uh, push into the seven stages of alchemy. The alchemists identify the seven stages of alchemy necessary for any transformation, regardless of if a transformation is physical, spiritual, or mental. It involves passing through all these seven stages. Alchemists were a very secretive bunch and often wrote about the seven stages using esoteric symbols and metaphors. This was especially prevalent during the 16th century when alchemists could be burned at the stake as witches and heretics. While getting burned at the stake is certainly a form of transformation, it was not exactly the kind of alchemists were looking for. Collectively, the seven stages make up the great work, or magnum opus, which, when followed properly, results in the purification and refinement of any material into its highest form. If the seven stages are successful, an alchemist can achieve the Philosopher's Stone, the Holy Grail that can transform anything into its supreme golden form. Alchemists divide the seven stages into three phases, the blackening, the whitening, and the reddening. So we'll get into these three phases in just a bit more. For now, let's focus on grasping what the seven stages are all about. The calcination stage. In physical alchemy, 
Calcination entails burning a substance over a flame or with a liquid fire, such as an acid or corrosive chemical, until the substance is reduced to ashes. The word itself means reduced to bone by burning. In mental and spiritual alchemy, calcination happens whether we want want it to or not. Calcination occurs whenever life knocks us down. Everything from failing your driver's test to your first breakup. It's easy to let these disappointments get you down. What's harder is to rise up from the ashes, as we'll see in some of these later stages. The dissolution stage. In physical alchemy, dissolution, sometimes called solution, takes the ashes produced in calcination and dissolves them in a liquid solvent. This process is where we get the word elixir, which comes from the Arabic word elixir, from the ashes. In mental and spiritual alchemy, dissolution refers to breaking down all the salts or assumptions that have snuck into our unconsciousness. In dissolution, one must look at their shadow, our dark side, the interrogate of the unconscious message that have unknowingly entered our minds, whether they are simple, such as problematically biased news, or a bit more complex. Stage three, the separation of albedo. In physical alchemy, separation discards the waste from dissolution and calcination to retrieve the matter's essential parts. To accomplish separation, the liquid of dissolution is usually passed through a filter or porous paper. In mental and spiritual alchemy, separation is about looking objectively at the parts of your personality and spiritual self and discarding what no longer serves you. In doing so, you recognize your true self, devoid of ego or a superfluous, any superfluous affects of your personality. Stage Four, the conjunction stage of albedo. In physical alchemy, conjunction takes the purified matter from separation and creates an altogether new substance. Alchemists call this new substance the child of the conjunction. Failing to create a new substance means that the matter extracted from separation is contaminated and the alchemist experiment has failed. In mental and spiritual alchemy, conjunction combines the opposing parts of the self to create a new personality or spiritual self. In mental alchemy, this is about joining your conscious and unconscious minds. In spiritual alchemy, this is about combining your spirit and soul. This is also where the sacred marriage is consummated, creating the fetus of the child of conjunction also known as the newly created substance. Stage 5, the fermentation stage of verbido. In physical alchemy, fermentation is where the child from conjunction is matured with fermenting bacteria over a low, controlled heat, unlike the direct flames of calcination. Fermentation is where the fetus of conjunction slowly grows as the introduction of bacteria animates the matter to take it to a new and better form. In spiritual and mental alchemy, 
Fermentation marks a moment when new life is brought into the mind and spiritual self. This can take the form of delving into a new religious practice, meditation, or exercising on a regular basis. Fermentation is anything that adds an external spark to your life. It's best that if this isn't reliant on another person and if it's more self-contained. It's more reliable to fall in love with yourself, after all, than with a new lover or friend. Stage 6. The distillation stage of Rubido. In physical alchemy, distillation purifies the now-fermented substance into its essence through evaporation and cohortion, re- repeatedly purifying a, which is repeatedly purifying a substance in liquid. The spiritual or mental alchemy, distillation requires you to repeatedly open space to have new insights and then work to purify yourself based upon those insights. Therapy is a great example of distillation. Therapists help their clients make breakthroughs and then reintegrate those breakthroughs into their minds and spiritual selves. The last stage, stage seven. The coagulation stage of Rubido. In physical alchemy, coagulation is the, st- <clears throat> the final stage of alchemical transformation, where the essence refined in distillation is solidified. It's when the child of conjunction is born, and all this work takes form both physically and metaphysically. It's the moment when the body becomes metaphysical and the spirit and mind take on a corporeal feel. In spiritual and mental alchemy, coagulation is the physical manifestation of the spiritual body and mind, which like an aurora of light surrounding your body. It's in this stage of transformation that all the elements and levels of reality, physical, spiritual, and mental become one. Thanks for listening. This is Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist.